Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about how to cope with a chaotic manager. And we're just going to dive straight in with this one. And I'm going to ask Jackie, what does a chaotic manager look like or feel like in the workplace? I suspect before we even start describing it, there's people out there. Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you what a chaotic manager is like. And yeah, this has come up because it's one that does come up regularly for both of us, for our clients. So I think... The obvious thing with a chaotic manager is that there is no kind of structure. You don't know from one day, one week to the next what the priorities are. It's that aspect of everything feels rushed. So you're all like heads down, working on something. It's, yeah, we go, we know what we're doing, let's go. And then all of a sudden there's a curveball and a new thing is the priority. Chaotic managers are the kinds of people where in my experience, I think they're often quite charismatic characters. Like they're not necessarily horrible to work for and people don't hate working for them in the way that like maybe when we did the episode on micromanagers, people might, but it's more of that aspect of it's more that frustration and we go again. (laughs) It's It's that kind of thing. So yeah, I think they're the kinds of people where, you know, you want to one gets moved cancelled rescheduled where you know communication is just ad hoc you don't get that kind of forward range of this is what we're going to be doing and that opportunity to plan and I think that's where the frustration often comes in because especially if you are the kind of person that enjoys structure and doing a good job and wants to perform that's where that frustration comes in because it's harder to do that when your manager's a bit chaotic. So have you had that experience? Because I know we've talked about it coming up for clients, but have you either been that manager or had a manager like that? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few chaotic managers throughout my career, but one that particularly stands out was somebody that, like you say, was so charismatic and he was was so lovely. And it was, at first it was like, he just kept coming with all of these different things. And it was like, can you just pick this up? Can you do this? We need to deliver this. We need to do it super fast. Such and such a person has said, ask Pam, because she's the best person to deliver that. And you almost start off feeling flattered. And then as your workload builds, you're like, hold on a minute. But I think when you get to that point where you're like, hold on a minute, that's where you're like, where's the boundaries gone? And you haven't set any. And it's always harder, isn't it, to set those boundaries after you've gone down that slippery slope of letting people push you. And sometimes it can happen without you even realizing this guy 
he would come to me on a weekly basis and add on extra things to do. And he's, he would always be like, he wasn't even my direct manager, but he'd always be like, I've squared this off with your manager. It's absolutely fine. We need to deliver this. We know you can deliver it fast. And at that point, I had a really strong network within the organization. So I could deliver things at pace. And that is what I got known for. But then he would be constantly putting things on me all the time. And then in the end, I would end up so overwhelmed that I was like, I'm either going to drop some balls or we need to prioritize everything. And his thing would always be the most important. His thing would always be the priority to him. And the more experienced I got and the more overwhelmed I got, in the end, I was just like, that's it now. We need to put some boundaries in place. And next time he comes to me, I'm actually going to say, is this really a priority? What is going to be the impact if we don't pick this up today and start pushing back? Obviously, he didn't like that because in his world, everything was chaotic. Everything was like needed to be done yesterday. And that's how he worked with everyone. Some people really didn't like him. Some people, obviously, he was really charismatic too. A lot of people did like him, but at the same time, people would avoid him because they knew if they looked at him, they'd end up with an extra load of work on the desk. It got to the point where it was like, I really need to start saying something. I need to start pushing back. And it feels so awkward and uncomfortable putting those boundaries in place after you've let somebody push you outside of them. It's just about starting off, like understanding that people have pushed your boundaries that people are asking you to do stuff that's usually almost the time above and beyond what you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes it's great because it's great for your development, but other times it puts a real amount of pressure on you. So it's just about starting to recognize that I think, which is what I did. And then I created a plan then to start pushing back. And we talked a lot about creating boundaries in a previous episode. So we'll link to that as well in the show notes just so that if you're thinking I am also rubbish at setting boundaries and people are always pushing me outside the limit. So you can go back and listen to that episode and get a plan together to start putting some real boundaries in place. But what what's your experience around that? Yeah, I think you're so right. It's like scope creep, isn't it? It starts where you've got your job and you know what's expected and you know what you need to deliver And a chaotic manager will often get things done by flattery, by that aspect of people want to do a good job. They want to impress that person. And then you realize that you've let your boundaries slide. And I think that can happen even to people. Like I've always considered myself pretty good at setting and maintaining boundaries. I find it easier than most people do to say no and to hold firm to what I know I need to do and what's right for me. And I've definitely felt that with chaotic managers where there is that aspect of flattery and where, you know, you do them a favor because you like them, because you want to be seen in that light. And whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, I think they really do often take advantage of that. And the fact that they can, like when you were describing that person that would, yeah, I've squared it with your manager, all of that stuff. They, he knew he was going, asking you to go above and beyond. But when people will do that, then they're going to keep asking. So yeah, it is really hard. And I think often when you get to that point where you, the first stage is realizing that person is prompting you and that you are going outside of what feels like the right boundaries for you. 
with that person and recognizing that actually wanting to firm up those boundaries is not you being mean or being horrible. It's just that recognition that, hang on a minute, where does this end? Yeah. And that's the thing because with him particularly, he was a chaotic manager. And what that meant was that his workload was chaotic he was chaotic but he was also I felt like a bit of a people pleaser as well so he was taking on more and more it was almost like it was rolling downhill and it was like he'll just keep taking it so we'll just keep giving it he ends up overloaded and overworked so then he he needs to pass it on but nothing's organized nothing's structured and it just snowballed out of control you don't realize sometimes that you're in that situation do you until you're like whoa, what is going on? Like this to-do list, if I was to do this, I would be working for the next month, including weekends and 24 hours a day, and I still wouldn't get it finished. And usually when you've got a workload like that, and it's a constant, it's all of the, everything is changing, moving. It's just constant. You don't know where you're at. You've got no thinking time. You've got no like spare time to gather your thoughts to really go, okay, what is important? How are we going to do this? How are we going to deliver this in the best possible way? And you just end up in that cycle. So if you're recognizing any of this as you, then this is a really good time for you to take stock and just stop, isn't it? And just be like, okay, what is going on? What are the priorities? How can I deal with this chaotic manager? So how can people deal with a chaotic manager? What are your top tips, Jackie? I think particularly we've already touched on that aspect of boundaries. And I think starting to put those boundaries in place is really important and that can start quite small that doesn't have to be a huge great big kind of I'm working nine to five and this is it and never going above and beyond again but it's I think again going back to some of the stuff we talked about in the boundaries episode is recognizing what is right for you and what the boundaries need to be and maybe I think often with a chaotic manager it's recognizing what you have in place with other working relationships and recognizing the difference and starting to think about, okay, how do I want that to be with this person? And I think, so it was interesting hearing you talk about putting that in place with, and that he was a bit taken aback because my experience has actually been when I've done it. So I've got one particular, and again, similar to you, they weren't necessarily my line manager, but we partnered quite closely with some of the stuff that we were working on. And he was actually like pretty good with recognizing when I would push back, he actually did recognize because he knew that was his working style. He knew that he was getting things done the way that he was. And he was actually okay with that. Like when I pushed back and said, no this is how we need to work. This is how that's got to be. I think it's almost like thinking of it as casino chips. If you've invested in the relationship, then you've done above and beyond, then actually, and it doesn't have to necessarily be with everything, but when you start to put boundaries in place, there is that kind of relationship where you've invested, you've earned some chips and you can cash them in by the things that are really important that do need to have a bit more structure and a bit more boundary around them. That's been my experience is that sometimes it's easier than you might think it could be 
to establish that. And that certainly for me was the case with the guy that I was talking about. I think the second thing I would say is about giving them feedback on the impact of that. And I'm really interested with your example of whether you did that because we've talked before about feedback and you I know again perhaps less comfortable than I am with giving direct feedback so did you try that with the guy that you were talking about so I think at first no I definitely didn't because I almost felt like in some ways at first when I was like this can't go on like I was failing in some way So I was quite reluctant to feedback about anything he was doing because I was like, why can't I manage this? Why can't I do this? Why is this feeling a lot? Is it me? Can I improve? Can I develop? And then as time went on and I was like, do you know what? This is not even really my job. Yeah, it's something I can do and it's part of my job, but he is piling the pressure on me. So then I started to feedback to him and say, when things change quickly, when you're asked, when you're putting these really quick turnaround jobs on to me, it is actually starting to stress me out. It's making me feel overwhelmed because I've got this workload that can't shift and you're asking me to do, to work above and beyond. So he then started to realize, but at first he was like really shocked. He's like, what do you mean? Because I've been delivering so much at such a fast pace, but you can't sustain that. I was close to burnout at that point. Still going on into work with a smile on my face, still trying to do it all because I felt like if I didn't, I was a failure or I'd be seen as a failure. So that I found that really hard to start pushing back and giving the feedback around how that additional work and the fast turnaround and everything was making me feel and he he wasn't really that open to feedback either. It was just, can you do it or not? <laughs> That's where it can also be quite difficult because he was like, I've not got time for a conversation. I just need to get this stuff done. Can you just and, do that, and that's the thing. I think, like you were saying, so often this rolls downhill. So often, because their world is chaotic, they feel like they haven't got time. So then it's, can you just do this? Can you just, that is the mantra of a chaotic manager. Can you just, and you'll hear that from them all the time because in their head, it is a small thing. It's one little thing. It's, can you just do X, Y, Z? And I think it's interesting hearing you talk about the feedback because one of the things I always say with chaotic managers is give them feedback about the impact, not about the emotion. So you were talking about giving them feedback about how you were feeling and actually for them, that's not relevant. Can you just, can you do it or can't you? And I think what I would always encourage people to do is think about the impact of what they're asking. So can you just do whatever? Yes, I can. If I do it, then I can't do this. I can do it. Are you telling me it's more important than this? And I think that feedback about kind of the consequences of, yes, I can do this, but it will involve. And all, and sometimes as well, it's just them having that awareness of, to them, it's one sentence, can you just? <laughs> to you, it's, yeah, but that is three days of solid work. And I've already got a full week that I, not being chaotic, had planned for, and therefore... If I'm going to do that, it means dropping these other things. So is that really what you want me to do? And I think 
when you start to frame the feedback about the impact in terms of a workload, it then makes it clearer. And it's then not so much about how you're feeling, more so it's about the direct consequences of, yes, I can do that. If I'm going to, then I will need this and this information, which will take me time to gather. Or have you spoken to that person? Have they already got that information for me? Because I'm going to need that to do it. Because I think that's the other thing is often then you start doing something that a chaotic manager has asked you to do. And it's like turning over a stone. It's like uncovering all this other, like the one little thing is just the tip of the iceberg. And actually then what you find is there's a whole load of other stuff that goes with it. Yeah, to me, that feedback has got to be about very factual, very, it's almost like you bringing the logic and the analysis and the planning to the relationship that they haven't necessarily done or thought through and bringing that to their awareness. That's the purpose of the feedback. Yeah, and that's a really good point because me telling him when you do this, when you're expecting me to turn these things around at pace, that is making me feel stressed and overwhelmed. And he was just like, that's your problem. (laughs) And in a way it was because that's not for him to fix me or help me to be less stressed or to be less overwhelmed with the workloads. He just wanted it delivering. So it is right. And I think sometimes if you are not used to giving feedback and if feedback isn't a natural thing for you to do, it can feel really difficult because when you need to give feedback, I think nine times out of 10, you're going to go to feelings rather than facts because it's easier to talk about your feelings because you're feeling them to see more about how that's making you feel. Whereas when you need to provide the knock-on effect or what is going to happen if I do this, is this definitely a priority? It's harder to pull all that together, especially when you're in a situation where you're overwhelmed and everything, but it is the better way to do it, to say, yeah, I can take that on, but what are we going to drop? What's going to slide? What other information are we going to need? And not just accepting somebody just piling lots of work onto your desk every day or every week. And I think it's because chaotic managers often are big picture thinkers. Like they're not in the detail. They don't tend to be very detail conscious people. People that are very detail conscious rarely become chaotic managers because they understand and want order and detail so you're less likely it's not that it never happens but I think you're less likely to encounter whereas that kind of bigger picture thinking without the detail behind it can be they just haven't got that level of detail and I'm like hands up I don't think anybody would ever have described me as a micromanager But certainly there will have been people that I've worked with who would think that I was chaotic at times because I'm very much about the bigger picture stuff onto the next. I like new, I like shiny, I like pace. So all of those things. And I think I'm probably more mindful, perhaps, hopefully, and more self-aware than other people. I'm more aware of other people's need for depth and detail. But certainly I can recognize those traps that chaotic managers might fall into where to them it's just a quick ask. And actually because I'm not in the detail and I haven't thought it through. And also I think sometimes there can be a mismatch where actually what they want is a quick and dirty. But if you're more of a planner and a detail conscious person and a perfectionist or someone that kind of works more to that end of the spectrum, then actually they don't necessarily need all of it 
perfecting, but because you take pride in a job well done, that's your tendency to deliver it that way. And I think that can create that mismatch. So I think the feedback piece is really important because otherwise you can, and I think that's one of the dangers is you can go around the houses, provide loads of detail, like work really hard on something and they've got no idea. And that wasn't really what they thought they wanted. And then you'll produce it. And then they're like, yeah, cheers. (laughs) Well, hang on. I've worked my ass off for that. (laughs) And they're just like, yeah, cheers, thanks. And they only take two lines of it and not all of the beautiful stuff that you've put behind it and all of the thinking. Yeah, and I think that is a very good point, isn't it? It's like getting that clarification. So when you are working with a chaotic manager, like asking, questioning everything is the key to make sure that you aren't over-delivering, that you are giving them what they need. Because as you say, if they're big picture thinkers, they don't want the detail they just want what they want and in their mind they know what they want but they won't always communicate that to you and sometimes they'll communicate it and it'll just be nuts yeah like, <laughs> I'm so I think questioning because again because they're often very pacey and on to the next thing they won't have necessarily thought through the consequences they'll fling out an idea and ask you to get going with it but they won't have thought through the detail And I've definitely been the person that has been asking those questions and saying, okay, so this is what you're saying you want. So I had it once with a job title where chaotic manager had a conversation with someone in passing in the corridor and agreed that they were going to change the job title for one of the members of their team and change the salary mid-year. And I was in HR. And so they come to me and, oh, can you just sort... (laughs) this person and with these things and when I went back and I was like okay from an organization structure perspective how does this new job title compare to other people if that person's got that job title then does that not imply that they are going to be managing this person who you're telling me is still reporting to you and I talked through and asked questions about if you're asking me to implement this, what are the consequences of it? And how does that fit with that? And it was all stuff that they just hadn't thought through because what they were doing was feeling like, I've got a valued member of my team. I want to retain them. I've had a conversation with that one person about how that job title and salary impacts on them. Can we just action it? And it's, yeah, but these are all the consequences. Have you thought about this? Yeah. And that's the thing as well. I think when I'm speaking to my clients, when I think back to all of the things that happened in in my career, it's that, what are the consequences? What are the impacts? And as you go through these situations, each time you experience it, you'll consider more about the consequences and the impacts next time. But if you're fairly early on in your career, or you've just gone into a management position, or you're working on projects or something, if it's quite new to you, then you might not have gone through this process yet. And if you're in that situation with a chaotic manager, it can be quite difficult to go, okay, what are the impacts? So it's about going stop for five seconds and let's just look who else does this impact? What other teams does this impact? What other departments? How does it impact the customer, for example? What are the impacts? And then you can say, okay, is it still a priority to deliver this because there's going to be different impacts or maybe it needs this particular change needs to be added onto a project or there's something and then you can then 
go back and say, do we actually need to deliver this now or do we need to give it some more thought? And I think that is the key, isn't it? That thinking time, because I know when we were talking through what we were going to talk about in this episode, we were talking about, or you came up with something that I thought was brilliant, create that thinking time in the week because nobody, I don't know anybody when I was in the corporate world who planned in thinking time like if you blocked any time out in your calendar that wasn't for an official meeting or to be working on something then it was like it wasn't allowed it wasn't the done thing to do so I think when we were talking about I thought you know what that is perfect it's it's a really good tip say create some thinking time in your week it's a really simple thing but it's powerful for anybody But I think particularly when your manager is a bit chaotic because you tend to get it's like a cyclone. You get caught up in the vortex of the chaos. And then even if you're naturally someone who is quite organized and structured and plans things, it's very easy for all of your time. And because you've then got a never ending to do list, it feels like you haven't got time to just pause and think and that's one of the reasons why coaching can be so incredibly valuable for people is because it just creates thinking time in a way that most people have very little of in their working life and if you can create that for yourself if you can give yourself a two-hour block at some point in the week where you turn off all your notifications, where you're not going to be interrupted, where people are not know that you they can't get hold of you the amount of thinking that you can do and the clarity you can get in that couple of hours is huge. And what that then does is makes the doing time more effective. So a mentor of mine once introduced me to the phrase, which I absolutely love, of clarity is about knowing what you need to do. Focus is about getting it done. And you have to have the clarity first because otherwise you're a busy fool. If you're trying to be focused, you can work through a massive to-do list. But if you haven't got the clarity about whether you're actually working on the right priorities or whether that's the best way to go about it, you can be wasting that energy. And so that kind of investment of a couple of hours of good quality thinking time is just invaluable. Yeah. And I think it really is. And you don't realize the power of that until you start doing it and you start planning that time in and making it part of your work week as well, because it is part of the planning process. It's part of your development. It's so valuable and it definitely should be planned in every single week without fail. It should be one of your non-negotiables, I think, every single week. I agree. And I think Again, it's one of the things where even if people do it, it's often one of the things that they will let go of. And things that are urgent are often over-prioritized and things that are important are often under-prioritized. And thinking time is really important. And I think it often, because it feels like, oh, I can move it by a day or I can do it later or it's not the end of the world if I don't have it this week, I can do it next week. It's far too easy for it to slide, but actually the impact of it is huge because you come out of it with that clarity. So yeah, for me, that can be an absolute game changer, particularly when people feel like 
things are a bit chaotic, especially if that's stemming from working for a chaotic manager. Okay, so we've covered absolutely loads of stuff there. So I think it'd be really good to summarise it and just give an overview of your top tips, Jackie, on how to deal with a chaotic manager. So I think there's four that we would say. So one is about the importance of boundaries. So knowing what you want your boundaries to be and if necessary, re-establishing those boundaries if they've slipped along the way. And then I think you've got the aspect of the feedback. So giving people feedback about the impact rather than the emotion that their chaos makes you feel, give them the feedback about the impact. And that kind of links really to ask them questions so that you get them thinking about the consequences. And those are quite tightly linked and I think can often be part of the same conversation. So it's okay, I can do this. This is the impact. So what do you want me to do? So it's pushing them to do some of that thinking and get some of that clarity so that you've got it. And then the final one is about creating that thinking time in your week and making that a non-negotiable for yourself so that you have that kind of pause away from all of the clamor of the chaos that's going on the rest of the time so that you can really have that clarity on what do I need to do? How do I want to work? How am I going to make sure that I keep to my boundaries? What questions do I need to ask or what might I need to feed back on so that you can create that thinking time and that opportunity as opposed to your working week just literally be hamster wheel of trying to get stuff ticked off the to-do list and more gets added quicker than you can tick it off. Amazing. That is a really good overview. So thank you for joining us today and we hope that you found it useful. And as usual, if you think that anybody else would benefit from listening, then please do share it with them and make sure that you like and subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you're what you think and get in touch if there's anything that you'd like to like us to cover on any future episodes.